0: Welcome to another episode of Smitten, We are so happy you're here. We are hopeful, we are human, and we love sharing human stories. Thanks for joining us. I'm Heather Shoemaker, and with me is Kelly J. Baptist, as well as Jack Chang and Patrick Florey Scott. And today we're going to talk about character. That's chapter six in the um, book writing picture books we've been following. Jack, can you give us a little intro to what this chapter is all about?
1: I'd love to, Heather. Um, so chapter six of writing picture books <laughs> um, is uh, all about character. And it's about um, uh, sort of thinking through and even creating a study of your character characters, um, in parentheses S, um, possibly of uh, your picture book. And um, yeah, I found this uh this chapter to be very um applicable to especially to my own picture book um and just to give um give our uh, listeners out there a quick summary um in it uh and paul talks about um attributes of you know characters that are memorable such as being uh likable or childlike in some cases an actual child um imperfect consistent and believable Um, assertive, meaning not passive, um, someone who goes and actively also solves, um, problems. And in short, I think, um, the way I interpret that is that it's a character who's like real and who you want to root for.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, how many of you in, in whatever books you write do already do character studies and, and what kind of character sketches do you do when you're, you're creating a story? Um, for me,
2: and I will say that reading this chapter was almost like, um, how can I put it? I don't want to say a slap in the face or a kick in the pants, but I'll say <laughs> I'll say <laughs> this is going to sound better. A call to action.
0: There you go. To, to
2: avoid um, a thorough laziness. I'm going to put it like that, um, <laughs> because as she says in here, it's easy to just get into the writing. And it's like, why do I need to you know, waste all this time with details on my characters? I need to start writing the story. And I think that's probably how a lot of us approach um, the craft, but just in reading the pages and the level of detail that you can pay to your character and, and the story deserves it. So it was kind of a call to action to, to not cheat the process at all, to like go all in. So what I do is not to this level yet, um, but typically I'll try to find images first of what I envision my character my main character and maybe a few supporting cast to look like. Um, So I'm Googling, looking through images, magazines. I've done that before. And then I'll have a document with all of the images of my characters. And then it's just been very brief um, dive from there. I think I hold a lot in my head and have not, I don't typically write it down like fill a notebook with five pages of likes and dislikes and um, siblings and parents and favorite color. So yeah, I'm really (laughs) (laughs) looking at this and like, you can do better. You can do better.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. I I think it's kind of the same for me. Um, I I do less than Kelly. (laughs) Let's put it that way. And I I think it's the same for me in terms of it being kind of a call to action or a call to rethink how I, Uh, approach character. I think so often for me, the character is born out of and develops through a situation that kind of happens to them (laughs) and that they have to overcome. And then it's like, oh, well, if they're going to respond this way, then what if they've always been a little bit like that? And then the character gets built uh, through watching the character like try and fail to overcome whatever the challenge is. But I do think sometimes I can get sometimes it would be really helpful to do more of that work to front load more of that work mm-hmm. so then immediately you're like well I know the character is a little bit like this so when this challenge happens um, they're going to try and respond this way instead of just not having filled that stuff in from the very beginning as is suggested in this in this chapter and as usual in this book um, I'm thinking about my novel as much as I am thinking about the picture books we're writing, which is kind of, just a cool part of this process
0: mm-hmm. for us. Absolutely. Yeah. With my first novel, I'd never written, I'd written books, I'd published books, but not fiction before. And so with my first novel, I, uh, I spent pages and pages for each character. I figured out, you know, their exact birthday and all kinds of the kinds of dreams they'd have at night. And I just typed and typed away at each character for a long time. Um, And my subsequent books that I've been writing, I find I haven't done that same process. Um, And I'm finding I'm doing more the write it, have a basic idea in mind write it first and then go back and do more character work. So one thing I really appreciated, I think I did so much character work the first time because I I didn't know what the heck I was doing and so that was an anchor for me to get started. But I like how Anne Whitford Paul says, "Look, you don't have to do it to start.
2: Mm-hmm. You don't have
0: to do it afterwards, but you need to do it sometime." And often maybe that's after you've got a first draft going to learn more about your character and that made a lot of sense to me to to use it when it's most useful to to your own process, that's great.
1: I do not do character studies and have never done a character study, at least not in the way that she talks about. Um, for me, so much of character comes out of like voice and mm-hmm. comes naturally mm-hmm. out of you know how a character talks, how they react to different situations. Like Patrick, like you were saying, you know, it, their character is born out of like experience, um, and so like. You know, it's like I don't very often. Like I don't, I don't know necessarily or have a specific image in mind of what my character looks like. Um, but what? But I, I sort of, you know, at, if you're reading any book, I think like you know, one books that you haven't written yourselves. Um, at least like my experience of that has been as you're reading you have this like fuzzy mental image of Mm -hmm. what the character is you know you you might get little details about them but like most of it comes out of you know what they're actually doing in the story um and i I think that's like the my my same experience um like writing my own characters um but with that said it's like, I feel like as I'm writing my first draft, that is kind of my character study yeah. because I overwrite, you yeah, know, right. and like uh, the character will have a flashback and they'll remember things that don't make it into the final draft. So that's like a natural part of, um, at least like novel writing, um, which was int- I found to be really interesting in this case because you don't have the length of a novel to figure that out.
0: Exactly. <laughs> right. so yeah. That's the key. Yeah. You have to know the character just as well. But you can't just expand yeah. and expand the way we all tend to
3: Right and explore your way through it. There's still yeah. exploration, but it's just there's not as much real estate to work with in that.
1: Yeah, which I think might be why, like, in the story in like, you know, when I first initially attempted a draft of this manuscript picture book manuscript that my partner and I are working are working on, um, I didn't have a main character um, that it was, you know, it was about fireworks. Right. and two different sides. And so there are like I had I I felt like there were a lot of different characters that had feelings about fireworks. Um but uh after sort of you know thinking it through and reading writing picture books, um I was like, you know, maybe there should be a central character, a protagonist Mm. that is caught up in the middle of all this. Um and it's sort of observing these two sides, arguing. Um and like wants them to, to work towards um, compromise and like finding, you know, what they have in common. Um, and so that kind of like was the beginning of like uh, a character study um, for me personally. Um, and some of the the you know, the aspects of character study that Amber Paul mentions are like name, birthday and age, appearance, relationships, and personality. Um, and I think like for me personally, like uh even with picture books, I'm like, how much do you need to focus on those other things, especially when someone else is like illustrating your book, right? It's like the appearance, is that something that you leave to the illustrator? Um, to figure out for, for themselves. Um, so so I, I, I feel like I have questions there. But like, but the, the of the five that uh, that she mentions in the book, personality definitely is like the biggest one, one that jumps out yeah. of me. Um,
0: yeah, I love that, Jack. And I had a lot of the same reactions myself. One thing I'd never thought of before that she brought up was that a picture book has one main character. It may have a lot of characters in the book, but the focus, a picture book is really big enough for one main character. Um, And sometimes even if you can think of a title that you love that seems to have more than one character, often they are different aspects of the same of a child, maybe Mm -hmm. different emotional sides of, of a child sort of split into a couple characters. So that was a neat idea. And then Jack, when you were talking about appearance and how much should we leave for the illustrator, because we keep thinking about that. And Mm -hmm. um, she mentioned something about even if she never shares those ideas with the illustrator or the editor, that having it in her mind to some degree produces stronger writing. Mm. And that made a lot of sense to Mm -hmm. me because the kind of vocabulary words you'd use and just how how you think about this character will end up transforming the writing.
2: Yeah. I want to speak on that just a little bit, having gone through that process of working with the illustrator and we got to talk to him, um, Patrick, and and see what it's like when he gets words on his desk and how he has to transform them. And I don't remember any, like no physical descriptions or anything um, did I add in my manuscript. So that is really all the illustrator, um, unless it's something that's very important to the story like he always wears a green hat for a reason then obviously that would be mentioned in the language it is really a process of trust and I will tell you guys in advance you will be amazed I think there are more um magic stories than than disappointment stories once an author sees the illustrations uh, we're masters at our craft that's what we're we're training and and focusing on being and they are as well So as scary as it is to turn it over and you have all these things in your mind um, and then you do have the opportunity if something is critical to you, once you see the sketches um, to make notes and and inputs, but really it's trusting the process, trusting their abilities. And then I love what you just said about the language. Uh, We're creating magic. They're creating magic. Magic knows magic. And so they might be able to pick up on some things that you don't even explicitly say through the strength of your writing so don't cheat the process because you never know how that impacts the collaborators that you're going to have what you put in um they'll be able to sense it
3: very cool i was wondering if you guys had thoughts on um likability like i that's a good one i think um like people who've been through the process of like rejections because your character isn't likable. <laughs> like we have a certain like take on that idea and that take, that take on what makes a character likable, like grows and changes throughout your writing experiences and your reading even. Um, but maybe for newer writers, um, and maybe new to people who are out there who are new to picture books in general and children's lit. Like what are your thoughts on what makes a likable character? That's not boring.
0: I think you have to tap into the uh, child's emotions. So if your main character is a child um, or a childlike character, If they're mad or they're afraid or some of their fear might be coming out in an angry way or an unlikable way but if you tap into that thing that's universal to all of us um, then i think that in itself becomes likable because we've all been frightened we've all been lonely we've all had um, various negative feelings that are universal so even if the character isn't 100 percent likable if they're understandable on that universal level, I think we attach to them anyway. And I think that, that, go ahead, sorry. No, I'm and just going to say, if you're, you're off... trying to create somebody who's who's a little prickly, <laughs> I think you have to go for that deeper universal human emotion side.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree. Absolutely. It goes into the work. Um, with this character study work, Last, like she says in here, um, even a bully can have a redeeming Um, quality or characteristic that you can tap into where we all know I think you see this a lot in movies so why couldn't it be the same in books you know the villain um, and you're not supposed to like the villain but I feel like a strong storyteller will drop some nugget in there that for a second you are like oh man at least you understand where they're coming from even if you don't like them. And since I'm fresh off of seeing Black Panther, Wakanda forever, I'm thinking about that in my mind for the first one and the second one. There's a clear enemy or villain or, you know, opponent. Um, But there's such a good job done on the backstory.
3: Yeah. That
2: you're like, oh, I can hold on to something um, for this character. And dang, do I find myself? Am I liking this character? I'm not supposed to. No, no, no. And I think we can do that with our writing as well. Even the, the worst bully or whatever we're presenting, um, there's a story behind the story and it's up to us to do that work. You, you know, you don't have to be in love with the person, but um, I think even the villain has redeeming or likable qualities.
1: I think with picture books, it relates to the uh, the the one that I think I had a little bit of trouble with the attribute, uh, which was imperf- imperfect imperfections, mm-hmm. um, which which felt like you know it's like if you have a movie or like a novel, you have a lot of time to you know to actually work with that, right? Yeah. a lot of space to work with that
2: picture
3: um,
1: book. <laughs> yeah, but then but sometimes you know sometimes an imperfection could just be like a character is like naive to mm-hmm, like sure. the world which which we we like you know might not necessarily think of as like an imperfection um or like you know when we talk about like a flaw or like a negative aspect we might not point to like naivety as like you know that might not be like the first characteristic that comes to mind but but i think it's like yeah it's like very you know very valid and some it's like you know sometimes like a character who's like very assertive Mm-hmm. Um, you know can be imperfect or unlikable in when that is taken to the extreme right when that becomes being overbearing um so i think I think it 's more just these like they 're just these like human qualities that you know it 's like when when they 're sort of like taken to too far then you you get into the the territory of like you know unlikableness and then mm-hmm. you're you 're sort of like trying to find. The right balance between, um, you know, between that and and like having them not be completely perfect, I guess.
0: It's the same challenge, I think, that we as novelists are finding over and over, which is I don't have enough time and space to develop everything in a short little picture book. You know, in the conciseness, the concentration, um, somebody told me it's like making maple syrup where you're just concentrating, concentrating that sugar yeah. and boiling all wow. the rest away. And it's that's hard for me because i'm like you jack in my first drafts i will just write and be very expansive and has have to come back down to this planet and the the picture books just make that happen even more so to develop all these aspects of of character including her emphasis on relationships i thought that was interesting it's not just the personality of the kid but of course the kid or the main character only exists in relationship to others. There's no such thing as a kid in, in a vacuum. So all those relationships are so critical, even if you never meet those people in the mm-hmm. story that helps form your main character.
3: Yeah. I've also found like, I don't know. I don't know if the word is likability, but, but a desire to root for yeah. a character, yeah. which I think is maybe even more important just in, in what is their want? What is the thing that they really want? And you're like, Oh, Oh, i've wanted that thing or i've wanted something that bad and in rooting for them to get that thing you're rooting for yourself in Mm -hmm. a way uh, as a reader to to get that thing that you want in your life and like having all of that be really clear um really helps in that like ability and wanting to root for kind of uh area
0: Have any of you ever used her technique or something similar to it of highlighting the dialogue of just one character and going through and reading that for consistency? Mm -mm. I've (laughs) never done that, but I find it rather intriguing. I think I could do it at a picture book level. Um, But when I started off writing dialogue years ago, I I was not confident about it. And I had two of my characters were very similar. And so I I found myself writing something and just putting uh, said one character in it. I could flip and flop them. It was Mm -hmm. almost that they were interchangeable. And I suddenly realized, wait a minute, if they're that close that it doesn't matter who said what, then I don't know them well enough. And I went back to really Mm -hmm. understand them because- even if you're saying something like the house is on fire, everybody would say it differently,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? <laughs> um, you know, or, or whatever swear words they might use or whatever method they might do it. So I found a really useful exercise in my own writing is making sure I cannot flip-flop a certain uh, bit of dialogue between characters. And I think that's what this highlighter exercise is getting at is that each the voice is consistent throughout and that it's not the same as the other characters Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: i've gotten away with that and let (laughs) that slip through and like you mentioning it is like a reminder that is not a great thing to have happened i'm not proud of it um so uh i'm really glad you brought that up (laughs) that's a really cool thing to have noticed in your writing
1: and that's a that's a good thing as you're like getting feedback from you know your editor or whoever's reading it and they're like, Oh, we need to add a tag to say to specify who said this, or like mm-hmm. I can't tell who said this. Uh, that's yeah. like a reflection of that, and you're like, Okay, I uh, need to like clarify something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like a signal that th- there's something that's off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm.
2: I'm and Heather that went one down. <laughs> when you said that, Heather, it it triggered flashbacks because I thought you were gonna say you had to cut somebody. Um, so ah. that is your options. You either have to dig deeper mm. and um, differentiate your right. two characters a bit more, or somebody has to go uh. and e- <laughs> Either option is gonna be hard and tedious. um, Yeah, (laughs) but there are options. Did you uh,
0: do in one of your characters?
2: I had to do that. I had to um, eliminate a character before, (laughs) and it it was hard. But, you know, looking back, the editor was like, she's just like this other girl. Like, they're too similar. And we don't need both. So it's just like, man. You so, killed
1: your darling. No, it wasn't a murder.
2: It was a removal. So I had to go remove all
1: traces. <laughs> but you did you, walking did you combine, into the removal closet. Kelly, did you combine any aspects of their characters? Was it like I, a murder? I probably
2: did. I probably did. Um, yeah, in thinking back, I probably did. Um, if there was something that I felt was worth sparing, an attribute mm-hmm. or, or something like that. Um, and that's why we have editors, you know, yeah. because they're seeing things that we don't see. And from um, a different vantage point, like they're a little more distance than we are. Yeah. So I'm like, no, I can't let her go. It's like, <laughs> no, you need to. It's like, okay, you're right. I can see that now. So Yeah. Well, <laughs>
0: totally. And another aspect that I find when I'm developing characters in my early drafts, I have a writing critique group and they will often take my kind of half-baked characters and they're obviously formed enough that they have a sense of who the character is as a reader. And they'll tell me, oh no, Heather, that character would never do that. They would not react that way. That's not like them. And I think, wow, these writers, my writing partners they understand my character better than I do. They're giving me insight (laughs) into my characters and it always makes so much sense. Like you're right. They would never do that. Mm -hmm. So that's a level I use even before the editor to try to keep my character consistent. And they almost always point out when I'm going astray.
1: Yeah. I'm very much of the belief that our characters are real living people. They're Mm -hmm. as, you know, (laughs) they're as themselves as like actual human beings and I think like sometimes like I get an unexpected, you know, a surprised reaction to that because people are like, well, you're the author. You can make up any, you know, anything you can do anything, but, but it's like, but yeah, but it, I I feel like I have to treat them as though they were real. Um, And like when I, you know, when I do things that like cause, my characters harm, right? It like it hurts me yes. because they feel yeah. so real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think, like, yeah, I think that's like maybe like something to strive for. I strive for when I'm writing is to have them, like, you know, feel like they're so like they could be an actual person that like I feel bad about mm-hmm. changing aspects of them.
0: Have you any of you ever had a character that fights back and refuses to do what you're telling them to? Ooh. That's a deep one. Um... I did have one once who I wanted her to do something, and she just refused. And I and it's thought, "Not going to wow. happen." <laughs> and I just kept typing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> do what you want. That's fine.
0: <laughs> well, it obviously, and I I figured out afterwards the reason that she refused to do what I wanted is because I was making her do something out of character.
2: She was wow, she was kind of a
0: fighter, assertive personality, and I was having her acquiesce too easily to something. And mm. she started fighting, and I thought, whoa, <laughs> okay, I'm going to go with this and see where it leads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That reminds me of the um, the story that uh, I think like Stephen King tells in his book On Writing, where he talks about, I think it was Misery was the book that uh, he was working on that was uh, later turned into a movie with Kathy Bates. But it's about this, like, you know this uh obsessive fan of an of a thriller suspense author who like kidnaps him <laughs> and like locks him in 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 the room and um and his plan originally was to have the author like die um at her like to her hand but like the author was like you know the character in the book was like not willing to do that <laughs> and so he changed the entire ending that mm. he had planned um, because the character was like wily and resourceful enough to like get himself out of that situation, um I think that's that's the story that that he tells,
0: yeah, yeah. feisty characters,, yeah. and yeah. I think that when you're at that point, it had never happened to me before until the last manuscript I was working on, but I think you really know your character at least at that mm-hmm. unconscious level if they start being feisty like that,
2: and then you know yourself if you listen. Yeah. All
0: I I had to do was,
2: yeah, listen to them. Just listen. Yep. Yep. That's great, Heather. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great experience. (laughs) The disobedient character. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So any more thoughts about character? Kelly, I know that one of your um, characters, Isaiah Dunn, who features in two novels, started off... At least being published in a short story. Did you really mm-hmm. work on him as a character for a long time or did he just come as you wrote?
2: Um, Isaiah just came as I wrote. Um, so there wasn't that deep dive. He was just someone who spoke and kept speaking. And as I think about it now, were I to do um, another, I probably would do that deep dive just so we get a, a stronger sense of, who he is, why he is. I think we get it a little bit, but um, there's always uh, work to, to do. And so I think I would do it for that then, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just be more intentional about that.
1: I, I think some of my favorite children's books are where um, the main character is growing and changing in community. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, it's not just you know even if your main character kind of like comes just comes to you and and just like appears on the page i think part of the task of being a writer is to create this cast of supporting characters around them that both like you know help them evolve and grow but also play against them right it's like you know like in the case of like black panther right it's like you you kind of have to have like the other side of the argument uh Mm -hmm. embodied in um, michael b jordan's uh, character in killmonger right um and and yeah and i think like a lot of the work that i find myself doing in my novels are like changing aspects of the supporting characters because a lot of times like you know a lot of times like the main character is like a version of myself like a closer version to myself than like the other supporting characters so so it's figuring out like what does this kid need and who is the right person to like then be able to you know connect with him on that and also grow in some way on their own through that relationship
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard people say that, that you should get to know your secondary characters just as well as your main character, mm-hmm. which um, is tough because sometimes yeah. there's quite a few of them. But I think it's really good advice the more we can take that because even if they don't play a big role, they can play a really critical role. And if they're human and believable, as Jack says, real life people, even if they have a small bit part, that that's important.
3: Yeah. And as hard as it is in children's books, there's something so satisfying as a reader when you watch not only the main character, but a secondary character like fulfill a story arc. I don't know. It's just kind of, that's kind of magic. And as a reader,
0: yeah. One other thing I found in her chapter about character was thinking about what brought your character to this point in the story where the story begins Mm. because you know that's all the backstory that as novelists maybe we can sneak in as a flashback Mm -hmm. sometime but distilling that for a picture book that we have to know or that maybe it would help if we knew what happened before that brings them to this moment when this particular story starts
1: Right, right. It's like that question of like why are you starting the story here?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. That I, I know that we ask ourselves as novelists a lot when we're trying to figure oh out my out gosh, what's the first chapter? <laughs> it is so
3: hard. You can yeah. start this thing anywhere.
2: Well <laughs> <laughs> again, that's the thought that it deserves for us to to take and, and go into it. And that's a good question. I'm thinking about um, my draft that I'm working on for this wonderfully challenging season um and who is the main character so kind of like you jack what you said earlier um where you can really see is there a main character mine is kind of similar in that it's more of a we story it's a kind of a Mm -hmm. group a group but maybe there is one person in that group through whose eyes the story is really being told so just I don't know. I I just feel like it's greater attention to detail, and that there can be freedom in that. You know, if if that makes sense. Um,
0: you know, Kelly, it's funny because when you described your basic idea of your story a few episodes ago, I always and you didn't say it, but in my mind, in my reader's mind, just listening to you, I always pictured one kid out of a kind of a crowd of kids being. The one that we're seeing their point of view, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know who that kid is, but I, I, picture- I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> but I pictured a group, like yeah, the group and the one, the individual, uh, both together at the same time. So maybe that's something the that illustrator will help um, show is mm-hmm. which one of the kids we're kind of watching the story unfold from. Sure. That.
1: That reminds me of our um, point of view conversation when Patrick talked about, you know, how uh, Patrick, you talked about how you're experimenting with like having the room be, no, or the right? walls of the room, right, the classroom yeah. be, right. you know, the, the voice, right? And in that case, it's like your char- your main character could be like an actual wall. like classroom or wall <laughs> or neighborhood, right? Yeah. It could be the neighborhood commenting on itself. So, so I, I think it's like, it can be very valid, to have like a group as as the main character sometimes I feel like in a really cool
3: way that group voice is the is the author like I mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. a kid, I saw this thing, but you're saying we I don't know, I know there's kind of one main character drawn in Jacqueline Woodson's newest book, but I get that sen- that same sense of we experiencing this thing but it's like you're feeling her you're feeling Jacqueline Woodson as a as a child I don't know there's something really beautiful about that
2: I think so too um that's my mentor text for um for mine and yeah there is something beautiful about community but then you're a part of it as well and just the dynamic of of that and then you have another character coming in um was everybody else able to pretty much identify and i guess that means heather and patrick because me and jack are like working on it but were you guys able to identify your main character pretty easily uh
0: no i'm flopping around a little bit um okay i have um i have a grandfather figure and uh, it's funny i'm not using names like you know bob and whatever i'm using but there's still names within the word grandfather you could be Mm -hmm. a grandpa or you could Mm -hmm. be a you know a pops you could be all kinds of different things so naming is still floating around but i don't even know if it's from the child's point of view or the grandpa's point of view or the yeah i'm a little bit and i need to develop them more as far as the relationship what is the relationship between the grandparents and the child and between the couple the grandparent couple and so on
3: for me, the stories almost always come to me as uh, one single protagonist figure dealing with an issue. So, the the idea and the character were kind of one from the very mm-hmm. beginning.
0: Interesting, you know. I went to a um, a writing conference. This is a regional SCBWI conference, and they were talking about. Um, doing a pitch, you know, your elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. And as I was in the room, we were all supposed to voice our elevator pitch. And and it started in the first row and it was w- winding its way up to me. I was kind of up in the higher row. <laughs> and I realized during the course of that moment that I had my priorities of who my main character was for my pitch all upside down and backwards. Because wow. this was for my ghost story, The Griffins of Castle Cary. And I was focusing on the ghost, but I was focusing on the mother ghost. And there's actually a child ghost too. And I thought, I was doing my pitch all with this mother ghost in mind. I thought, who the heck cares about the mother ghost? If you're a kid, you know, you want to know about the child ghost and and what she really wants, which she was longing for a playmate. And so sometimes we get a little stuck in, I don't know, because we are older than 10 years old, where where this, we we don't get inspired to tell the story because of a certain reason, but then you have to go back and say, okay, but where's the kid gonna connect with this? So I was able to switch around and realize my story was kind of backwards and focus it on the child ghost. Very cool. Well, character, lots to do, lots of ways to do it. (laughs) I feel
1: like we can spend Multiple episodes talking about <laughs>
0: character,
1: um, but we won't. But we might. We might. Um, and <laughs> decades uh, worth of career
3: trying to figure yeah. it out. Yes. Yeah. That's
0: what yeah my last thought on on picture book character writing is I really appreciated how Anne Whitford Paul said. Yes, yeah, she's gathered all these ideas of attributes that you could think about for your character, but boiled down for picture books that you really only need these five. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe we Mm -hmm. might come up with a different five or a different six, but some things as novelists, maybe we need more of somewhere else, but these are the ones that seem to work for picture book characters. And I appreciated that, that idea.
3: That's nice. And also a pitch for all of you out there to go out and get the book. Um, (laughs) uh, Because that's the case for almost every chapter that it's so clear and concise and uh, beautifully written. And it's extremely helpful as we go through this
1: process. There's still time to uh, make it a stocking stuffer or or put (laughs) put it on your gift list. (laughs) Writing picture books by Anne (laughs) Whitford-Paul. Picture books. Um, Speaking of, uh, so this episode will um, probably be airing um, uh, in December. Um, uh, We yeah we we're 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 figuring out our end of year schedule and everything and um and so this is actually going to be our our last one of the year we'll be back don't worry uh in the new year um so uh yeah so we wanted to um you know wish everyone out there yeah a very happy holiday um and uh when we come back in the new year um we're going to uh just recap some of the things that we learned in this very um, eventful podcast season so far. Uh, and then we're gonna launch into the next major section of writing picture books, um, which is about structure. And ah. oh, yeah. <laughs> other things. Yeah. Um, so uh, so yeah, so uh, thank you as always for listening um, to, Booksmitten. this podcast is produced by josie and Corey schneider music is by duck duck chicken if you've enjoyed our podcast this year enjoyed hanging out with us writing picture books with us um check us out on um you know the the ratings uh, or give us a rating on your favorite um itunes podcast store or wherever you listen to your podcast um it'll help other readers and aspiring picture book writers find us Um, If you're back home for the holidays, tell your friends who had been thinking about writing picture books about our podcast. Um, Maybe they'll find something interesting to to listen to. Um, We are on Twitter at BookSmittenPod, and this season we've been using the hashtag BookSmittenChallenge. Um, You can also email us with questions, comments, uh, suggestions for guests to interview um, at hello at BookSmitten.us. And this is Jack Chang here, with Heather Shoemaker, Kelly J. Baptist, and Patrick Floor Scott, saying, "See you in the new year, Woo-hoo! and see you on Yay. the picture book. Happy reading, <laughs> happy writing, everybody.
0: Yeah, happy. Bye, bye, bye." bye.